Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz. We got another episode for you. If you missed the last one, I would suggest you go back and check that out. Uh, we had Brandon Short, we're all American linebacker within the line, now a member of the Board of Trustees, certainly talking about this Penn State football season, talking a little bit about this defense, the defensive coordinator search that was just getting underway when we had him on the other morning, but also a lot. Um, on the James Franklin contract, what went into it, why it happened, the timing of it, and what it means moving forward and what he expects in terms of commitment from the university for the football program. That was in the last episode. Thanks again to Brandon. We're back here. Lance Glenn at producer, Sean Fitz as the co-host. And Sean, Brent Pry introduced a couple of hours ago uh, as Virginia Tech's head coach officially had a chance to meet with the media down there, uh, starting off at a nice $4 million uh, annual salary, a tremendous, massive pay raise for him uh, and his family, and certainly getting the keys to a Power Five conference program. Congratulations to Brent. This was kind of all just being reported as we sat down and recorded uh, on Tuesday morning. So now it's official. A great guy got what looks to be a great fitting job, uh, and he'll get a lot of opportunities to succeed down there. And that's a place that's really special to him. You know, we talked about it on the first episode this week that he's got an affinity for for, for Virginia Tech, for Blacksburg. He's been there before. And uh, just great, uh, tremendously happy for Brent. $4 million. And, and that's why when I say, when or that's why I laugh when I see people say, I don't think he has any interest in being a head coach when they say about a coordinator sticking around for whatever. $4 million is going to interest a lot of people. So he's, he's, yeah. I mean, that's at least a two, two and a half million dollar raise for him. Uh, so congratulations to, to Brent, the entire Pry family, really happy for those guys. Um, this is one that uh, I think he's, he's a good fit there. I, I still don't know how it's going to turn out, to be honest with you. I answered some questions for our Virginia tech site about Brent Pry. Um, if, if we need any more thoughts on that, but, um, I think it's not going to be viewed as a home run hire, but it can potentially be good. I, he's got all the, he's got all the potential. He's got all the things that, that you would look for in a head coach just hasn't done it before. I'm just a little surprised that Virginia tech went the first time head coach route with Brent Pry. Um, but he's, he's got to build a staff around him. Be very curious to see what he does, does on the offensive side of the ball, especially with that coordinator job, because that's going to be probably the most important hire that he makes coming into, uh, into his tenure at Virginia tech. But again, exceedingly happy for Brent Pry. Great dude. Uh, amazing to uh, to be around. Just great perspective every time you get around and talk to Brent Pry. So we're really happy for him. And when asked uh, if he had hoped that he would get a call from Virginia Tech when that job came open, it was a quick answer from Brent Pry today. Absolutely. And he says James Franklin knew exactly how he felt about the potential of, of returning to Blacksburg and being the guy leading that program and a good fit. Franklin loses his right-hand man and certainly going to have to find a, a new guy for his staff in terms of on-field responsibilities. Linebackers coach for so many years here at Penn State, the last several years going back to the Big Ten title run as the defensive coordinator. We went over some of the stats. They're quite impressive um, this year particularly. So, Sean, what is happening right now from a Penn State perspective as Brent Price settles into his no, new location? 
I apologize to to our YouTube viewers because I keep looking at my phone this entire time, and that's what it's been the last couple <laughs> of days, just kind of constant, constantly going in and about. Um, from a Penn State perspective, obviously you got to fill fill that coordinator slot, fill the linebacker slot. I think that's where it gets a little bit tricky. Um, you, you look at what Penn State has right now. Joe Lorig coaches the outside linebackers, quote unquote, but Brent Pry was the linebackers guy. I mean, Lorig was there, but Pry was the guy that, that coached them all up. It's not like you were separating inside linebackers, outside linebackers. I know some places do that with D tackles, D ends, and inside receivers, outside receivers, things like that. But all the linebackers always together um, at, at Penn State. A lot of cross training involved. Um, so that'll be an interesting thing when you when you take a look at what they're going after. And two names have really jumped to the top of or have gotten our attention. I think that that Franklin is out there looking at a bunch of guys at a bunch of different levels. You know, I think probably I don't want to say this is what he's going for ideally but uh nfl is a guy or the nfl level is a, is not out of the question here but the two guys that uh you know really pop up uh are jim Knowles, who we mentioned on the podcast earlier this week from oklahoma state and then elijah robinson at texas a&m elijah not a coordinator but obviously a rising star in the coaching ranks incredible recruiter i think that's where the that wrinkle would come in is if you bring in a guy like Elijah Robinson, what happens with the linebacker job? What happens with John Scott? We've, we've linked John Scott to Brent Pry in the past. Is that a situation where you let him walk? Uh, so there's, there's so many things that could go, go through with this right now. And that's, you know, assuming that the, the defensive staff stays together. So very interesting uh, going on there, but those are the two guys that you just keep hearing the most right now. And if you want to talk about defensive coordinator search or you want to talk about uh midwest fast food burger chains or whatever our defensive coordinator search thread is at about 247 pages no branding intended um and it's it's an incredible thread i just do recommend checking it out if you can keep up with it um but that's kind of what we're what we're looking at right now i think this is one there it, where if you ever followed a james franklin coordinator search the circle uh in which people are kept in the know very very small very small um, so it, it, it's going to be one of those things where it, it could be a surprise. I mean, we, we've done these hot boards in the past and I don't like to do hot boards unless we actually have some legitimate information on that. Um, and, uh, that's a tough line to walk because we've, we've hit a lot of these things. And then there've been times when Matt Limegrover comes out of nowhere and is all of a, all of a sudden your offensive line coach. So, um, I'm rambling here, but it's I've got just, a, uh, I've got a wide receivers coach story written from two, three years ago about someone who I've already forgotten, but it's filed away somewhere in the depths of our site. Hey, may want to keep that. You never know when that that's going to pop up. We've we've written transfer stories, we've written commitment stories, we've written we've got we've got quotes from Diego Pounds committing to Penn State. We've got all this kind of stuff <laughs> locked away in the archives. So that's fun. We don't uh, we're we're not going to go that that route just yet. But uh, always helps to be prepared. But when you're following a James Franklin coordinator search, anything can happen. As you saw last year, when there wasn't a coordinator search, and Mike Yurcich all of a sudden pops up as Penn State's offensive coordinator. So I think that's the wrinkle to remember. Uh, patience here is is something that's going to be necessary. Um, and it's it's really a small circle of people that are kept in the know. It's a need-to-know basis. There's a lot of people that apparently do not need to know. First off, neither of those names were LeVar Arrington or Sean Lee, so you have ruffled a lot of feathers out there in our listening audience. The one name yeah. that I have been asked about a lot this week, though, um, you know, recently was on this staff, a guy that I think we miss around campus, uh, and, and, you know, he's trying to cultivate his career now at the next level is Sean Spencer. Not sure what's going to happen with that Giants coaching staff. Joe Judge, it sounds like there's going to be a leadership change for that franchise. I don't know how that affects Sean Spencer, but is this a name that we should still kind of keep on the stove in some regard before an actual announcement is made? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't write off Spencer at all because he's been around. He knows how things are going here or how things have gone here. And, uh, you know, he was, he was with Brent Pry for several years. So if you're trying to keep things, um, in that direction, then, then it makes sense. He's got the NFL experience now, um, well liked by pretty much everybody that's come across him. So I wouldn't write that off. I mean, you, I, I, I struggle to think, you know, and I said this earlier this week, I struggle to think it's going to be an internal job. You got Poindexter there, Terry Smith there, John Scott's uh, still there. Um, but when, when Pry got the job, it was pretty obvious that it was probably going to go that route. I just don't think they're in that same situation there. And I think Penn State's in a pretty good situation where you can open up the checkbook. You can make it work for for the right guy and and go in that direction, especially and, – and I talked about this in a chat a couple of weeks ago – with Jimmy Sexton as James Franklin's agent, that opens up some doors for potential uh, assistant coaches to join him through the Sexton tree. So if that that's something that can't be ignored as well. So um, put up a, a handful of names in our, uh, in our coaching search thread. It's probably already buried by now. Um, but I do suggest checking that out because there's uh, – there, I, I think there's still – probably some drama to be here but you know if you're if you're playing the, the odds or anything like that Knowles and and robinson are the guys that just keep popping up and i think there's probably a reason for that and every few minutes something changes in that thread which is uh behind that vip paywall so if you're not a vip member good time to jump in because we got a lot going on right now and speaking of things that are happening we are now under two weeks until the early signing period Penn State through it all through a seven and five season coming out the other side with this class intact. They're getting close to crossing the finish line. And when you look at the rankings updates from 24 seven sports, it's hard not to get excited about this future backfield. And I don't want to bypass Bo Perdula, who had a fantastic high school career here at Central York and is the top rated quarterback in the state of Pennsylvania, highly rated three star by 24 seven sports evaluation. But Drew Aller, who was number 453 in 24-7 sports rankings when Penn State offered back in late January, is now number three in those rankings. Seems like a decent evaluation job there by Mike Yersich. Uh, obviously, we've been very impressed with what Drew has done. Drew is going to join us on the podcast at some point in the near future. So looking forward to that conversation. But number three overall in the country is just pretty incredible when you think about it. He was the top quarterback to begin with. He was a five-star as of early November, I think it was, um, or maybe late October, whenever he was lighting the world on fire as a senior uh, quarterback. Uh, but number three overall is pretty impressive. I thought that would be one of the situations, and I think I've said this before, where you would wait until you get to San Antonio, you put them up against some of the best of the best, but they apparently love what they've seen from, from Drew. And, uh, you know, how could you not just looking at his, looking at his tape, uh, can throw it around, obviously the, the big arm, but is also has the, uh, the athleticism to, to back it up, uh, you know, just kind of the think on your feet type, uh, how football is played today. Um, so it's, it's been really cool. Then you move down further in the five stars and the final one, Nicholas Singleton. I know this is a guy that our scouts are incredibly high on, uh, the, the, the total package physically. I think he's going to have an opportunity to play right away at Penn state. I think he's number 20 overall in the Penn state, uh, or excuse me, in the, yep. in the, uh, 24, seven sports composite, or excuse me, the 24 seven sports rankings, um, the, the lowest five-star there, but you'll take the lowest five-star. That's kind of how that works. Um, safely in five-star range at the end of the cycle, we'll end up with 32, uh, overall five stars. So having those guys safely in that range is, is certainly a good sign. Yeah. And, and when you continue to work your way through that list and, and, and you know, it's, it's a group that we have talked about for a long time, but I, I just can't get away from the fact that we, Quinn Ewers was the guy that had that top quarterback spot. 
um, you know, makes that big move, leaving Texas high school football early, going to Ohio State where he has spent the year on the sideline. So we don't have senior film to compare. And obviously Drew Aller, I think it was 55, 56 touchdowns to what, four or five interceptions, just a phenomenally dominant year from a quarterback all year long for him. Uh, while Quinn Ewers was tucked away on the Buckeyes roster. Um, so I, it, it's interesting. We saw these bo both of these guys at the Elite 11 uh, in the summer. We didn't see them personally, but we saw film. Our scouts were out there. It sounded like it was pretty narrow at first. Quinn Ewers maybe got the edge by the end of the process. But again, no comparative senior film. And the big thing is here, you got the Texas kid going to Columbus and the Ohio kid coming to State College. And, and we'll see if Ewers sticks with Ohio State. Who knows what happens to that quarterback room? But this is a really compelling dynamic brewing in both these quarterbacks uh, moving forward here in the Big Ten. And then you add Devin Brown, the former USC commit, who's really, really good, committed to Ohio State yesterday. Just kind of, uh, you know, Texas <laughs> yeah, you was go. in there. USC, of course, was in there. I mean, he's a he's one of those national talents as well. So Ohio Doesn't State doesn't lack for confidence, for I guess. Right? I mean, you you can look at that and say Ohio State's not going to come after Drew Aller in the last two weeks. Not that we expected that to happen, but any sort of silver line. I know Penn State fans are are always waiting for the the rug to be pulled out from under them. So um, so that, that's at least that's one one way it won't be pulled out uh, from under there. But yeah, that's uh, that's a fascinating dynamic, especially when you talk about, um, you know, bulking up the Big Ten. Obviously, Ohio State is is the top dog and has been for for a long, long time. And uh, good quarterback play can go a long way in, in making up uh, other deficiencies there. So you hope that, that you can get something. You hope you can you hope Drew Aller can be the number one quarterback in the draft in in three and a half years. So um, he will be here in January. Bo Pribula will be here in January. Uh, Nicholas Singleton will be here in January. And, you know, staying in that room, Katron Allen will be here in January. There's a lot of guys that will be in uh, hoping to make an early impact for Penn State. Katron Allen at number 156 overall. So Penn State with a couple running backs in the top 24-7. Of course, this will be the, I think, third cycle in four years, Sean, where they're going to bring on multiple four-star running backs. Didn't do them much good here in the 2021 season. Nick Singleton going to come up, try to try to give this room a jolt. Same deal with Katron Allen. Elsewhere, another Ohio kid who lives much closer to Columbus than Drew. Caden Saunders at number 86 overall, the wide receiver. Deny Dennis Sutton at number 93, the edge rush out of Maryland, the defense line and shows if anyone I think if you had your druthers we would obviously we would all would have lo had loved to have seen Dennis Sutton play a complete senior year and have a junior year and there's just there's not as much of a sample size to evaluate with him in games as we have for a lot of upperclassmen across the country 93 when we look back on it this could seem like a bargain kind of ranking for him uh, if he's able to get healthy and, and really and get going uh in, with the Nittany Lions here yeah I agree with your take there that he probably hasn't played enough football over the last two years to make an accurate, uh, um, I, I don't want to say make an accurate depiction, but, you know, to, to, to give him the cachet that he needs to get that bump um, to, to top 40 or whatever, I think he's top 50 prospect, but that's just me. Um, but uh, yeah, I would have liked to seen more out of him. And that's a lot of that's out of his control. You know, obviously the COVID year last year and then dislocating the elbow in, I think it was a scrimmage or the first game of the year. So he only played yeah. a handful of games this year. So the tape is going to be tough for him to, uh, to, to really make his case. But I mean, he's still in the top 100. He's a tremendously talented prospect. And I think he's, I think he's another guy that can, can come in and contribute early. Mentioned Katron Allen uh, at number 156 down in Florida. You've got Ken Miller, the cornerback out of Jacksonville, committed to Penn State. He's at number 146. Um, and then here locally in Pennsylvania, uh, the state's top-ranked offensive lineman, Drew Shelton, the tackle at number 144. Another receiver, Anthony Ivey at number 165. And then Makai Flowers, who we continue uh, to put that 
athlete label on safety wide receiver playmaker number 231 overall so those are the penn state commits inside that top 24 7 rankings which is still fluid uh but this was a, some significant changes um but but not nearly as much as we saw early in the season sean whether you whether you look at guys in the top 24 7 or you look at guys in the top 350 there's just a lot of four stars and now a few five stars um and again coming off of a seven and five season and the fact that you put together this class really coming off of a four and five season. I don't know how they did it. And, and, and they got a couple more weeks. So maybe I should knock on wood for this program, but that's quite the recruiting effort at facing some significant adversity, doing it across the country, uh, man, it's, it's impressive. And I'm not quite sure exactly how they got there. And you have to tip your cap to James Franklin for as much as a lot of people are, are, are wondering what's going on on field for Penn state right now. They have kept it rolling with recruiting. Yeah, night and day from uh, from that 2021 cycle. Of course, you weren't allowed to have kids on campus until June 1st, but they did a nice job of cultivating those relationships and hit the ground running in June. Of course, July was that month that was just insane when you thought you were getting a commitment every other day or something like that, or I think it averaged every other day eventually. Um, so yeah, they've they've done a phenomenal job, especially you know you look at look at what they've got right now in a seven and five season that wasn't particularly impressive. They held on to that entire class. It stands Jordan Allen, who you know kind of dumped them. So um, it was uh, it was really uh, uh, I would say incredible job to get that done. Still two weeks to uh, or two weeks from yesterday till the early signing period begins to get those guys across the line. Um, but I mean, you, you, you can't really. Com- there's a, there's a lot of things you can, comp- can complain about, uh, but you really can't complain about the effort on the trail in the 2022 class. And meanwhile, while everyone's wondering, well, isn't James Franklin sitting in his office rummaging through a folder, making phone calls? And no, he keeps popping up in people's living rooms or in schools. They are out and about on the recruiting trail. Um, It's interesting because you've got so many of these coaching staffs colliding right now at some of the same schools. And so many of these guys are showing up to schools probably wondering, am I going to still be wearing the same logo on my polo shirt two weeks from now? Yeah. I mean, you, you think about it, Brent Pry was on the road for Penn state earlier this week and that's kind of um, it was, it was really um, you know, one of those things that could change on the di- on a dime you saw with Brian Kelly, the same Lincoln Riley is the same. So really uh, sort of crazy things when you think about how quickly this, this thing can be, as, as we said with Penn state fans pulled out from under you um, but Penn state so far st- staying stable, um, saying the right things. And I think Franklin being out in front of everything, especially with the contract extension really helps their cause. I mean, it's one of those things where he's spent two years telling these kids, just trust me, trust me, trust me. And then you get two weeks away and okay, your defensive coordinator leaves your linebacker coach leaves. You can still trust me to get the right guy in here. And I'm going to do that. And I think that's really something that resonates. And that's why Penn state hasn't seen anybody really step away from this class. And imagine if they were dealing with the Brent Pry situation and that vacancy and James Franklin job speculation right now at the same time, which is why, like Brandon Short said earlier this week, timing was everything here. And if you see what has happened in college football since that announcement and since the Mel Tucker contract, you're you're understanding exactly why there was a need to get that done in a hurry um, before the season was over. Um, and, and, And signing day is a big aspect there. Now, Sean, you mentioned there's trepidation right now among Penn State fans. Uh, because of the way the season went, because of the way recruiting went last cycle, that, that maybe things are going to get tripped up here at the end, but maybe there's room for optimism. And, and that's where we jump into with an early five-star mailbag because it really ties into the recruiting conversation here. So we drop it in the middle of the show instead. Uh, the question actually says, how could Penn State maybe benefit from the chaos the last couple of weeks? 
Could the shakeup in the coaching market lead to some unexpected opportunities for Penn State with 2022 recruits? And Sean, at this point, there are a lot of prospects out there right now. Maybe thought they'd end up uh, at campuses in Norman or Gainesville or what have you. And they're all of a sudden circling back to some of those old contact numbers that they didn't think they'd be communicating with anymore. Yeah, there was a couple instances where guys, uh, you know, have not found themselves in the class at the end and have hit up Penn State to say, hey, my recruitment's open. But here's the deal. <laughs> Penn State's got 25 commits in this class. Yeah. They don't have spots for the guys that they that they have been pursuing. I mean, you look at uh, Penn State was at St. Francis yesterday for Jay Sean Barham, but then all of a sudden Derek Moore, the talented defensive lineman, comes onto the market with the Oklahoma shakeup there. Um, so you want to try and get into that just because he's a damn good player on the defensive line which we've seen as we saw over the weekend against uh with with michigan against ohio state defensive line disruptors win football games and that's really um so, so if Derek moore were to turn around and say i want to come to penn state you, you gotta take them <laughs> pretty much no matter the situation um now that that's uh oversimplifying things um because it's it's really tough because you're still going after barham you're still going after Derek moore they were down in miami with wesley basenth who i just got a notification is going to announce this weekend the linebacker from miami um and then some other things happen notre dame opens up you you've got guys that you know you were in the top i would say two for emil wagner the offensive lineman from ohio who announced for uh, notre dame last month ty chan is a guy that penn state loved on the offensive line and you know you, you as you've seen from the 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 proof on the field here, they need offensive linemen. They love to add tackles. So, I mean, that's kind of the situation where you find yourself, um, you know, not in a good spot late, but in a spot where you could potentially turn that one on its head. Now, I don't think many of those Notre Dame guys are going to flip considering the, the moves that they've made, retaining Marcus Freeman as the head coach, keeping Tommy Reese and, um, and Notre Dame really sells itself to a lot of the kids that end up going to Notre Dame. Um, but yeah, you, you're going to have an opportunity to, to sit down in front of them and maybe have them give you a chance, which two weeks before signing days is pretty much all you can ask for. Yeah, the dam has broken and the flood is on in Norman, Oklahoma. Everyone's getting out of there. No one wants to go there now. Ooh, boy. But uh, in South Bend, Indiana, some stabilization, a lot of strong reaction. And you do wonder in this day and age, I mean, I, I know you saw a lot of the hashtags. Uh, uh, recruits who are, are committed to this Notre Dame program were very much jockeying for everything that happened to happen. And you wonder now in this day and age where players are gaining more and more and more control of the situation, how much does that weigh on an administration? I'm not sure we're talking about huge, huge numbers here and, and financial investments, but no one likes to see the recruiting class unravel and no one likes to give a head coach who's in year number one, uh, you know, a, a kind of a short changed class to begin with. Yeah, it's going to be, um, I mean, there's been a lot of schools that are just scrambling, um, including Brent Pry. I mean, you've got to And Oklahoma's going to hire someone. Yeah. I mean, Oklahoma's going to take somebody else. And yeah, yeah so. <laughs> just that that vicious cycle and and we'll see what happens especially at a spot like virginia tech where brent pry is going to have to solidify that i don't think he's going to be a guy um not that not that this is a situation where he wouldn't try but i don't think he's going to flip any penn state guys on their head um you know trying to to make that one work so we will see where that goes uh for him but uh, we're focused on penn state here and yeah um yeah it's it's going to be i think a very quiet couple of weeks you saw you, you know you, you even saw some movement i think more of the more of the uh, the focus right now is transfer portal because that's kind of where that yeah. uh, where this is taking us right now. And you saw a little bit of movement in that this week. Spencer Rollins, the guy that's been on the podcast before, Harvard offensive lineman. Uh, we'll, we'll call that a parting of ways with Penn State. Um, it's one of those things where he had, had several conversations with Penn State. It just it it wasn't better for both sides if, if, if they both moved on. Um, so he is back in the portal, going to try and figure out where he's going to go. Um, but 
spot like offensive tackle. You thought Rollin was coming in, maybe had a chance to play for two years. Um, you know, that that's one of those things that you took a chance last year. He played this year, maybe wasn't what you had hoped, and and you kind of got out from under that one uh, uh, with uh, with some time to spare. Um, still going to need to look at offensive tackle. Still need to go, going to look at wide receiver. Still going to need to look at a number of positions um, for depth. And you know that's one thing that we talked about with Brandon Short, who's a football guy first and foremost. You you recognize the depth issues that Penn State had. We we talked about how good we felt about some of this team if the front line guys stayed healthy and and in in some of their defense and at receiver that's that was able to to come to fruition linebacker defensive end or excuse me linebacker and defensive line maybe not as much so um that's a very very uh interesting wrinkle as we head into the offseason here is how much uh attention can you play to that portal because it's it's going to produce some pretty good players as we saw in, in Arnold and Bikati last next or last year. Um, but maybe it's not always the obvious guys that you look at as, as the potential, you know, the, that once were the four and five star guys, maybe just they're not that level. So it's going to be fascinating. It always is. So I'm looking forward to portal season. The Rollin was a first team, all Ivy league pick six foot six, two eighty five. two years of eligibility. It was peculiar when this commitment surfaced in the summer, it was just so far in advance of a transfer. Um, it, it just, I had never encountered anything like it. Ultimately it won't happen. And when you talk about depth and, and where that impacted you, it wasn't so much injuries as it was performance, uh, but the offensive line, there was a glaring lack of depth there. I mean, we talked about it all season for games one through 10. It felt like they were only comfortable playing six guys on a regular basis with Bryce Efner being the sixth guy at tackle in particular. Um, I don't know where Rasheed Walker stands right now. We'll talk about where he ended up on the all big 10 team in a second, um, but this wasn't the year that he thought it would be. Caden Wallace still seems like guard is the high ceiling for him. Um, and then beyond that, Landon Tengwall, a guy who we also have said maybe guards the high ceiling for him. He's playing tackle. We didn't see Olu Fashano last month or so on the practice field or on game days. And then everybody else, whether it's a, a Jimmy Christ or a, an Ibrahim Traore or it's the guys you're going to bring in this year in 2022, I mean, th th there's not a lot of liability uh, in terms of thinking you got too deep at tackle structure when you project it right now. And that tells me, it's going to have to come to the transfer portal because what you go do in recruiting on the offensive line is, is you try to get those guys, you try to get those big balls of clay. And we've talked about getting some of these huge frame players and you say, what do they look like two, three years down the road? Hopefully they can step up and play for you. This team needs tackles. This team needs a, a, a better reinforced too deep. Um, and I don't know what happened from a staff perspective this year, but if the offensive line isn't better, I don't care if Drew Aller is coming in. I don't care if Nick Singleton's coming in. If you don't get that figured out up front, it's not going to matter because you're going to go off the rails again in Big Ten play. Yeah, and and you look at what's out there, and like I said, the the obvious answers are not always, or, or, or the obvious answers are not always the right answers. You look at a guy like Miles Frazier from FIU. Um, he's originally from Camden Woodrow Wilson High School, two star prospect according to the composite out of uh, out of high school and uh, or out of prep school, excuse me, and uh, really. Uh, really popular guy right now. I think Florida's involved, and you're going to see a lot of these these places that have had coaching changes keep popping up, and these similar names. Um, I, I had it just had it right in front of me, and I lost it. Uh, Florida State, Iowa State, Arizona State, Rutgers. You know, that's uh, everybody's looking for offensive linemen right now, so that's going to be one of the the main themes of this uh, this off season. And and you know, you, you dump Spencer Rollin, and and all of a sudden you you're still scrambling for one, maybe two guys in there, and I agree with you. I mean, throw throw the competition at them, see if they can make it work. If it's if it's right in terms of eligibility and things like that, um, you're going to run out of space eventually. But uh, you got to do what you can to to improve that that facet of the team. 
And this Penn State fan base in particular shouldn't be scoffing at any former two stars. Look at the guys who were first team defensive selection for Penn State. One ended up at Temple, and it was a late FBS offer that he got. Arnold Ebikati, first team defensive end, first team safety. Jaquan Brisker went to Lackawanna College. Different circumstances involved there, but it's not always how you start. It's how you finish. And Penn State, I mean, look, you, if you can get a guy year four and the trajectory is pointing up, that's really what the goal is right now with the transfer portal. And, and getting into the All-Big Ten stuff, your guy Jordan Stout, punter Jordan Stout, first teamer, also punter of the year, and a conference loaded with punters, as, as you know by now listening to this podcast. Uh, no long snapper of the year. I apologize for that, Sean. I know you have made a public statement, and I'm glad you've got that out there. Um, but you've got the, you got the Brisker Nebuchadnezzar first team picks, and Dotson uh, gets a first team nod from the media, gets a second team nod from the coaches. David Bell, Chris Olave are the first team picks by the coaches, and I'm telling you, there's a lot of future NFL talent. A lot of guys coming to your fantasy football rosters from the Big Ten this year. Anything that you could have done in that first team for, for receivers, short of making it a four or five receiver first team, which is what they did with the defensive line on the uh, uh, on the other side of the ball. They had five first team defensive linemen, I believe. Um, yeah, that's make it three uh, receivers, man. Make it three yeah. receivers. That's fo- that's college football. I mean, it's the Big Ten. I mean, yeah, it's the Big <laughs> yeah, Ten. You're just yeah. playing into the stereotypes now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, even if you make it three receivers, I mean, what happens with uh, with Garrett Wilson or Smith and Jigba or any of the, the the Michigan State guys? I mean, there's so many good receivers in this conference that it, it's really frustrating to see um, that any of those guys had to be shortchanged. And that's not just coming from a Penn State perspective with Dotson, but those other guys are tremendously talented, not only tremendously talented, but tremendously productive. I mean, you look at the numbers that those guys put up and David Bell was the... Uh, uh, the receiver of the year in the conference, but still had the, the fewest touchdowns among all those guys. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, of qualms that you could make with that, but I, f- I feel bad that, that not all of those guys could be recognized in that light. When KJ Hamler went to the NFL and, and he stepped up Dotson in 2020, since then 21 games, 22 total touchdowns, 143 catches, 2,066 receiving yards. Uh, what a joy it has been to watch Jahan Dotson play football. Um, Sean, we can wrap it up on this because there's a few more things here. Second teamers, Ellis Brooks, PJ Mustafer, which speaks volumes about what Mustafer did in a five games and a quarter or so this oh, year. Yeah. I would love to see him back here. I, I think it would be great for him. I think it would be great for the program. But he's got a decision to make for himself coming off an injury. Um, third teamers, it, it, some more media, some more coaches. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. at cornerback. Uh, Brandon Smith at linebacker. You had Jair Brown at safety. Jesse Lucetta at defensive end. And, and then um, Rashid Walker, a third team pick by the media. That was the only other guy who landed on a first, second, or third team offensively. Aside from Jahan Dotson was Rashid Walker, who got half a third team. That tells the story where it is right now offensively uh, coming after the season. I shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, but uh, that, that's where it is. And the honorable mentions, Sean Clifford, Tariq Castro-Fields, Curtis Jacobs, Juice Scruggs, Brenton Strange, Mike Miranda, no Parker Washington, number six in the conference in catches, number 10 in the conference in receiving yards. But as we talked about, wide receiver, uh, that's, a, that's a deep spot. But I think some people saw who did land an honorable mention from Penn State and then saw Parker Washington didn't, and they had some thoughts on it. Yeah, um, Mike Miranda being in there, I think, is a very big surprise. Uh, Clifford is, I, I, I thought, deserving of some sort of mention, um, but it, it's, you know, you look at the season, how the season ended, and it's tough. So, um, but you can bet that some of those schools that played Penn State early in the year had a higher opinion um, of some of those guys. Yeah, Miranda was was one that was interesting. Strange disappeared for periods of a time, and that's that's the thing with voting for these things is you might 
catch somebody on a really good day, which is why I'm kind of surprised Parker Washington didn't get more mention. Um, but at the same time, I mean, there's there's so many good receivers in the big in the Big Ten. Uh, really awesome to see Curtis Jacobs in there. Thought maybe he might be able to snag a third team role the way that he played down the stretch. Um, but uh, just not. I don't I don't think the full body of work plus him just being a sophomore probably played against him there. A uh, little disappointed. No, Derek Tangelo. I, I, you know, yeah, you, you hate to say you hate to see 10 guys on the defense get recognized and then just complain about the 11th. But Derek Tangelo was so good down the stretch, especially after uh, Mustafer got hurt just all over the place. Um, I think he deserves some sort of mention in there because he was he was really just kind of the glue up front. And there was a, it was one of the games late in the year, maybe Rutgers or something where uh, Tangelo got hurt and you were thinking maybe that would that change things. But, uh, you know, he does he does deserve some mention in there. I did this thing like I always do when you look at the all big 10 team where what would I have thought about this list on August 30th or something like that? No honorable mention, nothing for a single Penn State running back. They were the only team to have three running backs on the Doak Walker Award watch list going into the season, which goes to the best running back in college football. Not a single honorable mention goes to that room. And wow, I mean, what what a thud of a year. Um, it, that's just remarkable. But Sean, that's it for this one. We got bowl destination coming on Sunday. The Bronx, Nashville, Vegas, maybe we can sneak to Tampa. I don't know. There's a lot in play right now for Penn State. We're going to learn that matchup. We're still trying to figure out who the next defensive coordinator is. Follow it all on lines247.com. Uh, Sean, anything else to add? It sounds like you were right back to the phone. I'm right back to the phone. and my yeah, man, <laughs> right back to my, the my kids are home. So, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll let you do the sign off. No, thank you, Sean. Well, as you can hear, Sean has his hands full, not just with the Brent Pry uh, replacement search, but we'll come back to you uh, when it's appropriate. Some recruits coming up down the pike here on the show as well. Thanks to our producer, Lance Glenn. Thanks to Sean. I'm Tyler Donahue. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.